Welcome to episode 13 of the Weekend Shenanigans podcast. I'm Bill. I'm Cindy. And it's Steven. And we're here to talk about week three. Lucky number 13. Wrapping up week two, going into week three, episode 13. So, awesome. Thanks, guys, for making the time. So, I thought we'd start off with a little bit of a rundown of some of the either interesting or important to us, important to Georgia Tech games that happened over the weekend. So starting off with uh, jumping right in, the top 25 games that kind of matter to us. Clemson beat AM 28-26. Steven, I think you probably watched this game the most. What were your thoughts? That Texas A&M should have won that game. They, yeah. uh, Clemson um, was a little sloppy. Uh, I mean, they, they managed to win, but by the skin of their teeth, um, FS, uh, Texas A&M, unfortunately. <laughs> FSU. The Jimbo's. FSU, the fighting yeah, Jimbo's. Yeah, the they're, fighting they're Jimbo's. Jimbos. Uh, Texas A&M, unfortunately, in the fourth quarter, had the uh, fumble through the end zone, which was a very questionable call that uh, slowed down their momentum. I mean, they managed to score and then come back and had to try and go for the two-point conversion right at the very end of the game. Um, you know, had I think – or I think if that had not been a fumble through the end zone – that uh, and they scored there could have been a little bit different outcome in that game, but it seems like Texas A&M got no love for almost beating Clemson either. They're still not ranked, so it's gonna I mean, be, it's gonna be hard for them to get to that top four spot where you have them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they 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 needed they needed a lot from that one, but um, unfortunately, I've since discovered that my top four picks is pretty much mathematically impossible. <laughs> Didn't we say that last week? And you said, nah. But it's not completely because there is a lot of football left to be played this year and a lot of chaos that can happen. And um, that can really open up. Steven's still cheering for the asteroid here. I'm not cheering for an asteroid. I'm just cheering for some shakeups. I'm tired of watching the same people go in and win all the time. Like, let, let a bunch of people play. Me too. Let some upsets happen. Okay. You know? So when the... Let's mix it up. When the playoff contains Clemson, Alabama, and Oklahoma, you're not watching the playoff games? Oh, I'm still watching it. <laughs> well, you know, top four right now is, is so easy to guess. So, I mean, two that played last year, plus Clemson, and we got to have Ohio State because they have more fans than anybody. So, I mean, it's just so... It gets old watching the same... Four to six teams going to the playoff every year. Well, the problem is the the high school draft. The national champion gets the first ten draft picks. Oh, is that what happened out of high school? Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, we'll we'll get into that a little more in a bit. But anything else about Clemson A and M? Nope. All right. We also wanted to touch on Penn State Pitt. Penn State, you'll remember, almost lost to App State the week before. Yeah, this went week in overtime. But they yeah. looked really good this week. This week went in and uh, trounced Pitt, even though they gave up a lot of rushing yards to Pitt. Um, and the reason I wanted to touch on this was obviously because we're going to play Pitt coming up. So any thoughts, any takeaways? I mean, obviously 51-6 to does not instill a lot of faith in Pitt Panthers to be able to defend their home. No, it doesn't instill faith in Pitt at all. Um, you know, and that, that win brought Penn State up 2.2 places in the rankings, which I just think is ridiculous, because obviously it shows that Pitt's not the team that, you know, they should be. Okay. Rankings 
before week four nonsense. <laughs> That's true. I, I think the rankings before week four, I think uh, even maybe before that, I think a lot of them are designed for television so that ESPN can advertise that the number seven team is playing oh, yeah. the number five team. It's just so they can know who they should put on the TV. Uh, well, it's, it's so that people will watch it and care because, y- you know, you don't. Wait a second. Are you insinuating that this whole thing is just a big money-making scheme? Oh, it definitely is. Have we talked about the t-shirts? Which t-shirts? t-shirts. Uh, Rebel Rags. No? Yeah, it's all about the t-shirts. All about the t-shirts. Okay. Cool. I think um, Pitt scored one touchdown. In the first quarter, yep, and didn't score again. Yeah, it was uh, when I tuned into this game seven six in favor of Penn State, and Pitt actually drove a little bit. They they rushed for over two hundred yards in this game, which so they didn't lose their quarterback. No, no, or a um, wide receiver or anything like that. Pickett Pickett is still their quarterback, so it, everything you know going into this week, it was just a Penn State's better than they showed against App State. Yeah. They didn't turn it on till the. I mean, it was you know they scored one touchdown in the first, one touchdown in the second, right? Three in the fourth. Yeah, obviously they they probably started the game a little bit like they were playing the App State game again, and their coach decided to quickly have a talking to Penn State about, hey guys, do you really want to be here? Mm-hmm. So, okay, cool. Well, that's uh, enough about that game. We'll come back and talk a little bit more about Pitt when we get into our preview of week three for Georgia Tech. The other top 25 game that I wanted to cover, or maybe it's not top 25, but uh, maybe they are now. Kentucky beat Florida first time in 32 years. The Cats win 27-16 over, I, I mean, I don't want to call them hapless, but Florida's dropped off more than anybody who's ever won two national championships in a decade, right? I almost feel bad for them. I don't. I mean, they won two <laughs> national championships in the early two th- in mid two thousand. So, like, I'm not feeling one bit bad for them. If if I were to have two national championships in the last fifteen years, You'd be happy. Yeah, you gotta <laughs> gotta you you take. But that. you still wouldn't be happy losing to Kentucky. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, the problem is they're trying to make it into like. You take a look at what Kentucky fans are hardcore. So they're a good, they're a good fan base. And Kentucky's probably got the better coach now. Like, I don't know what the long-term future of Florida looks like, but you got to think. Who is Florida's coach now? It is Dan, uh, Mullen. Dan Mullen, so Mississippi State's coach. So he's he's still getting his shit together. In this in is his first year or second year? First, first year. So he was at Mississippi State and did a good job there. So we they've had a lot of coaching changes in, in the last, what, five, six years? Yeah, before him, McIlwain and Muschamp. So th- those two were really the ones where if you were to... Money talks. If you were to take your choice of looking hindsight, would you rather have Stoops or have McIlwain or Muschamp? I bet you most Florida fans would say Stoops. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah, that one's good on Kentucky for breaking that streak. It's one of those ones where they're like 32 years, and, and they probably were the better team last year, too. But they got unlucky and, and blew the game, and it was kind of a, oh, the streak, streak continues. Yeah. I've never talked to uh, Mike Quinn about Florida football, but I feel like this might be a good opportunity to like no. discuss. Nope. No? Nope. I'm not. think he'll be willing to do that? No. Mike, <laughs> if, you, if you listen, Mike, uh, one, 
You've won too many national championships to be upset about any of this. Water off a duck's back, my man. Two, please don't punch one of us in the face for talking trash about Florida. (laughs) He's a a big dude. I think he could pound us if he really, you know. So Mike and Kathy are both in college pick'em, and I'm not sure which one, but one of them chose against Florida in that game Mm -hmm. last week. So Man, if Mike picked against Florida, he's Nostradamus. (laughs) Right? That's, That's strong. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So, other games. Duke, 21, Northwestern, 7. It was... It wasn't Mike. <laughs> okay. It must have been Kathy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Poor Mike. Got confirmation on that one. Okay. So, Duke, 21, Northwestern, 7. Either you catch the Dukies and uh, how they went. I didn't catch that game. Nope. They looked good. It wasn't college pick. I've been saying Duke's been playing real football lately. They They've looked, been doing really well. They look good. The that past game, few years, you know, Duke, when I was in college back in the Stone Age, Duke was a wash. You know, I mean, it was easy peasy. They didn't have Cutcliffe. And then, yeah, they've been playing real football the past few years. Yeah, that game was not as close as the score. Like, it was not a 14-point game. That was one that Duke had in hand in the first half. It was what it seemed felt like when you are watching it. And... You really never let you know, never let Northwestern get back into it. And Pat Fitzgerald's team is, you know, already beaten Purdue, although Purdue's not a world beater either. But then, you know, yeah. go on the road early and beat Purdue and then you kind of think you have some things going on with your team. It wasn't wasn't the case versus Duke. Um, yeah, something to think about because we play them at home for homecoming mid October. So um that might be a challenging game for us. We've lost the last two or three in the road. Yeah. Against them. Which one is it? I know we lost the last year. That was the game that Blake and I drove up to Duke, and I was hungover as hell watching us blow a 10-point yeah, lead in the second half. Does that sound familiar? It does sound familiar. Yeah. Looked, I mean, ugh, that, yeah. Okay. Next on our list to talk about, Colorado-Nebraska. Oh, no. One, one, they, they won last year. We beat them the year before. Okay. We beat them in 16, but then before that, they beat us two years. Okay. Colorado, Nebraska. Colorado won 33-28 to open Scott Frost era at Nebraska. I don't know if you guys caught this game. It was the one that was on right after the Tech-USF game. And Nebraska was pretty fired up. They definitely were excited. They'd had their their game the week before canceled Mm -hmm. due to uh, high winds and rain. And so this was the opening game in Scott Frost era. And honestly, Nebraska seemed to move the ball well. They had a true freshman quarterback starting at Nebraska for the first time ever, and he was doing great. They fumbled the ball a couple of times early that allowed Colorado to put up, I think, 14 points before Nebraska got on the board. And kind of, you know, Colorado established that, and then late in the game, Nebraska's quarterback gets hurt, and they couldn't couldn't climb back in it, couldn't get over the hump, so Colorado ends up pulling out the victory. But I will tell you, I'm I'm not sure if I've ever watched a game that Nebraska was that excited about. Like they they've been kind of mediocre for the past ten, maybe longer than that, maybe since the nineties. Yeah, a while. Yeah, so they it, really come around for a while. It's been a while, and and they seemed really hype and really excited about the new era, new coach, all that kind of stuff. How long? So is this, this coach is new this year. Mm-hmm. He's UCF's coach, so just come, oh, coming off right. a national championship. And that's his alma mater? Yep. He was the quarterback 
for them during their run in the late 90s and 97-ish, I believe his last year he was there. So national champion winning quarterback comes home to, you know, take his alma mater to back up to the Tom Osborne heights. Last year they went four and eight. Yep. Yeah, Mike Riley's. Yeah. Year before that, nine and four. Year before that, six and seven. So they've they've got some things to fix there, but good it, showing. I mean, although Colorado, I feel like shouldn't be as good as they are. Yeah, I don't know about Colorado yet. I think they're a team that has a lot of potential. They they seem to have found a quarterback. Uh, they beat up on Colorado State, but again, Colorado State's you know. I don't know what to make of that besides it just being a rivalry game. Colorado's uh, not one of those states you think of when you think of football. I'm going to go out on a limb and say they might contend for their division this year, though. Well, that's a you know that's an interesting division. Though they play like um, Boise and BYU and all those people, Wyoming. No, they're not. No, they're no, not no. they're in the Pac-12 now. Oh. So they let me pull up who else is in their division, but they're in I believe the Pac-12 South. And that's the USC Arizona State, who did beat Michigan State this week. Um, Didn't they lose their first game though? Arizona State. Oh no, they beat UTA. Never mind. That was you. That was Arizona, who I've been disappointed in. Yep. So yeah, Colorado, Arizona State, Utah, Arizona, UCLA, and USC. So there is a, a decent chance that it. You know, they're they're now two and zero. Arizona State's also two and zero. Utah's 2-0, Arizona's 0-2, UCLA's 0-2, and USC is 1-1 coming off their loss, and that's a conference loss to Stanford. Um, yeah, and they just beat um, Las Vegas. So Yeah, so it, it's one of those where right now Colorado looks like they have a chance to compete. It's good, you know, USC still has plenty of time to jump back in and kind of get into it, but I would say it's Colorado, Arizona, and USC that are the three teams that are going to compete for the South, and Again, if you if you win the Pac-12 South and you get to play in their championship game and you win it, you've got a chance to, just like in the ACC, if, if we win the Coastal, beat Clemson in a championship game. The South in this, um, in this um, league sounds a lot, looks a lot weaker, I think, than the, than the North here. Yeah, I would say it... I don't know. It's one of those. The North has Stanford, and they're right now a top ten team, but they only scored seventeen points against USC. Now, granted, they held USC to three, but it's not exactly a dominating, right? You know, a number ten versus a number twenty-five or twenty or whatever USC was. You know, around there, you'd got, expect more than a fourteen-point win. Yeah, but they've got Oregon. Uh, Oregon State, which is not who's not bad, and then Washington. I know they lost to Auburn, but they still can't be discounted. I don't think. Yeah, they kind of remind me of USC, where they they've got some things to work on. They're clearly not a perfect team. None of them are perfect teams, but they're going to have to do something to kind of bring themselves back into the conversation. But yeah, I think if if Colorado can play their way through a schedule, um, so they've beat. Colorado State 45-13. Now they've beaten Nebraska on the road. They get New Hampshire, no big deal. UCLA, they should beat. Then they play home versus Arizona State. And then on the road two weeks in a row against USC and Washington. Those will be like they can the come out of that. Games. If they can come out of that with two wins, 
they come out of that two and one, you'd have to think they're the favorite to win the South because, mm-hmm. you know, maybe, maybe USC or Arizona State's close to them at that point, but they would have picked up a couple of good big wins. And then they coast the finish with Oregon State, who it's got Mike Riley again back from Nebraska. He's not, you know, you wouldn't think they'd lose that game. Arizona, also bad. Washington State, Mike Leach, I don't know. He could do something. Utah and Cal, it's like you finish off the season on five games that are winnable for uh, a good team. We'll see. Again, they, they've got a chance. We'll see where they go. All right. Interesting Nebraska fact that they have actually sold out 361 consecutive games. I think that's the most in the nation, right? It that's is. the current longest streak. It is. And good fans. Yeah. Yeah. They are uh, bringing Or there's in. nothing to do in Nebraska. And Diedrich Mills is going there next year. Yep. Ah. Did you decide, speaking of, of Mills, did you decide if you're going to keep up with him this year or wait and watch? No, last I'm waiting and watching. I'm waiting and watching last chance you. Good decision. Yeah. All right. Yeah. My D3 football does not extend out that far. It's good. It's good. ECU, UNC. This was the embarrassment of the week for the ACC, yeah? Possibly, yeah. All right. ECU put up 41 points on UNC. Do you think Larry Fedora is the coach of UNC this time next year? Nope. Um, I don't know a lot about his history, so I'm not sure. Mm-mm, he's done. Think so? Mm-hmm. UNC has been on a roll lately, so I think it's it's really on a just, roll. What down the hill to the dumpster? They have they've been pretty good the past couple of years. Um, so Ooh. I think it's disturbing Ooh, to see really? you, them lose their first two games out of conference games. I I think you're confusing beating us with being good at football for the last couple of years. <laughs> well, I mean, when they beat us, like that's not exciting. <laughs> that's not. I mean. I don't say they're. I'm not saying that they're like a top ten contender. I'm just saying they're higher in their ACC than we are. Last year they went three and nine. Oh. The year before that they went and eight they and five, which year? was good. Oh yeah. The year before that they went eleven and three, which is awesome. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking about. I mean, 2015, 11 and three. That was the Mar- 2016. Marquise, was that Marquise Williams' senior year? Five. I think so. 2017, three and nine. Yeah, they haven't been to a bowl game since 2016, where they lost to Stanford. They, they I, I would say they probably we haven't been to a bowl game since 2016 either. Yeah, we're trash. Oh man! Wow. Shout out to my buddy. <laughs> shout out to my buddy Chad Floyd, who runs the UNC uh, blogs and podcasts and stuff. He 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 thinks Fedora's got to go too. Yeah, yeah, he's not very happy about it. So my opinion about it is entirely based off of his opinion. Larry Fedora's been there now for six seasons. He's forty-one and thirty overall. When you that's not great. When you pack the schedules with at least one gimme game every season, then you're talking about a coach who's close to five hundred. They're not mad about canceling that UCF game. That's for sure. Yeah, they, uh, is that them that's canceling? We'll, we'll, yep. we'll get to that in a minute, but. Yeah, they they definitely are dodging a bullet, dodging you know, dodging an L there. They they don't want to know that smoke. <laughs> All right, so one more, uh, two more ACC games of of interest to us. UVA decided to lose a game to Indiana, twenty to sixteen. So congratulations, Nissa, on your alma mater beating an ACC team. 
Do you think we've got a chance to beat UVA this year? God, I hope so. I mean, I think we have a chance. If they're losing to Indiana and beat us, uh, we've lost. We lost to them in disappointing fashion last year. So I'm, I'm raring for some revenge. I'm happy that we get them at home, where we might just drop like 50 points on them. I, I hope so. I hope we're really kind of getting. We didn't even drop 50 points on Alcorn State. Because we so let we, off the gas. I think that's a little. We could have easily put 50 on Alcorn. Thought. Hell, we could have easily put 50 on USF this last week. We'll get to that. I don't get her. My anger. My anger's getting ahead of me there. So, yeah, another great win, or great loss for ACC reputation there. Just really, really representing well. Thanks, UVA. I, I mean, I don't know that the ACC is losing reputation. I think a lot of these, um, n- not Indiana's case, but like a lot of these, like, Lower level schools, what do you call them? Like D three or whatever, like USF, UCF, like non power five, non yeah. power five. How about that? They have a lot of talent, and you know they play really well. Or sometimes we just shoot ourselves in the foot. <laughs> yeah. Or that. All right. Speaking of shooting yourself in the foot, or almost shooting yourself in the foot, FSU Samford. That one, another just wonderful showing. We. Thank you, FSU, for at least not losing that game. But damn, yeah. man. Like, I think, I, come on now. The media kind of thinks that they did lose it. They might as well have. <laughs> yeah, like, basically. Shoot. That's that's a bad look. And I, I get it. Still first year for a head coach. Still trying to figure some things out. May have been a little bit of a hangover from Virginia Tech beating them. And then... It's just disturbing to see FSU play that way against a team. Like Stanford, like Stanford, like that's crazy. Yeah, why? I mean, because when you think about FSU, you think about like a dominating. Talk about talent disparity. Like, I don't, I don't care if FSU's gone downhill in terms of recruiting, but the talent disparity on that field, there's, it, it's almost like putting an NFL team up against a college team or a college team against a high school team. It, it's there is so much more talent on the FSU sideline. Mm-hmm. There's more talent on the in the freshman alone on the FSU sideline than there is on Sanford's. And I'm sorry, Sanford, like no offense, but there's a reason y'all aren't playing at FSU. Yeah. yeah. It's know. disappointing to see a fellow ACC team do that poorly. Not that we, not that, you know, we're not supporting. We'll get there. Team, we'll get there. Don't, yeah, don't, yes. don't bring up my hate. Calm. <laughs> hate fire. Calm. All right. Back to something we brought up already. Canceling games due to hurricanes. So we've got at least two ACC games this week. The UCF-UNC game and the ECU-Virginia Tech game that have already been canceled due to Florence. And I'm, I'm on the side of got to be safe, got to get people out of, the, out of harm's way, and, and you want people to be able to take care of their homes and their families and not have to worry about practicing. Like, I, I get that. Um it happened to us last year with UCF, so now it's kind of becoming a trend for them. Um, but honestly, I think it's a good thing for UNC. They're going to dodge a loss there. And I think Virginia Tech probably did it. It was funny. It wasn't ECU that canceled, the traveling team. They were going to go to Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech's the one that said, no, don't come because of the hurricane. We don't want you to travel and have to deal with the potential of it hitting your home, you know, all that, which kind of struck me as odd 
Because aren't they further inland than ECU is? They certainly are. So it's really, it's ECU's call. If you can't come to us, that's one thing. Right. But I think VT is just dodging what they think is a potential loss on their schedule, where ECU just hung 41 on UNC perennially, not perennially, but regularly ECU has given UNC problems and beaten them, including beating them in Blacksburg. What's the, uh, do we have the stats on that? On their, on their history? history? Yeah. We can find that. Because um, I think Virginia Tech is, is, you know, I think they're pretty good this year. I mean, they're ranked 13. Um, I don't know that they should be ranked that high. Obviously, rankings don't mean shit this early in the season. But So, all time, Virginia Tech has 15 wins to ECU's 7 wins in their series. Okay. The current win streak is two for Virginia Tech. Okay, so they beat them the last couple that, times. ECU so, beat them twice in a row so, before that. Yeah, ECU beat them twice in a row before that. ECU won in 13 and 14. ECU had a big streak back then. They were really I mean, 14 good. and 15, and then VT won in 16 and 17. Okay. So they've split the last four games, mm-hmm. and ECU clearly by hanging 41 on UNC is showing that they are – strong this year, at least have the potential to be strong this year. I think this is a little bit of Virginia Tech saying, you know what, it's not a conference game. It's not one we need. Don't put an L on our record unnecessarily. All that said, I hope everybody in the, you know, that gets hit by Florence, I hope everybody from ECU does get to take care of the, themselves, I mean, I think their Greenville families. Greenville definitely going to be, you know, hit by this hurricane. Like, they're definitely going to feel it, yeah. for sure. Yeah. Um, but, I mean... Virginia Tech? I mean... Yeah, Blacksburg's pretty far inland. Yeah. (laughs) It reminds me of the game, I think we talked about it on a previous podcast, where NC State played Notre Dame in the rain, and the ball was just all over the place. It it was, uh, I believe, the remnants of a previous hurricane, and it was not crazy windy and, and things like that, and it obviously wasn't lightning, otherwise they wouldn't have played. But it was torrential downpour, mm-hmm. you know, flooding field kind of almost. Fun games to watch. If, if if you like running the ball in sloppy football, great game to watch. Yeah. And that's like the Clemson-Georgia Tech game we went to. Yeah, that was And terrible. the week before, Clemson-Notre Dame, that was even worse than the Clemson-Georgia Tech one with the storm. Yeah. Those, yeah. those were just rough. That, that, that storm brought down a small plane across from my lake house for people flying in from Notre yeah. Dame. Oh, wow. Yeah, kind of crazy. All right. Other thing before we get into things that make us sad. Did you see that Georgia State's head coach, they were playing NC State this week. This was their kind of payday game. Went up to went up to play NC State, and uh, I believe it was going in to open the scoring for the game. So it was 0-0, and Georgia State scores, and their coach tears his bicep celebrating the touchdown. That's hilarious. I didn't see this. <laughs> I'm it, it kind of second tier teams always make me laugh because a lot of times their coaches are eccentric a little bit. You this know, guy looks like he means business. Kind of you crazy. gotta do something to get a job at a higher level. Yeah, uh, and it, it, yeah, it's just kind of like, all right, cool. I I'm in. If if you're gonna be that entertaining, if if scoring a touchdown on the road in a game where I think that was the only points they scored and they got just their ass kicked the rest of the game. 
But if you're that excited for your guys, like, all right, I'm interested. I feel like it's hard to tear a bicep, though. you got to be fist pumping real hard. I mean. That's just <laughs> straight up or cut. Like, yeah. Yeah, I don't even know how that works. I don't, yeah. It seems hard. <laughs> Good for him for, you know, being enthusiastic and yeah, I watched, the, I watched stretch video, a little more. I watched the video of it. I don't even really see how he did it. But. <laughs> a little more stretching before the game, Coach. I definitely wouldn't tell anybody. <laughs> I, how do you not? When you're walking around, can't lift your... You it's know, on ESPN. They got the highlight video. I just watched it. It, it doesn't seem that... Yeah. You know. Either way, that kind of encourages me to... We've been talking about going down to a Thursday night or something. You know, midweek game down at... Yeah. The old Turner Field. Even and a Friday night game. Yeah. If they let you bring your own beer in, that would be perfect, but they don't. Yeah. I'm sure we could sure we could figure that out. But Georgia State, you're you're slowly gaining some additional bandwagon fans here on the Weekend Shenanigans podcast. So hitch keep up, up the good work. Hitch it up. Keep up the good work. All right. Now that we've gone through other business, we will get into things that make us sad. Starting with Georgia Tech, you make me sad. Two touchdowns on kickoff returns makes me sad. Well, that makes anybody sad. I mean, that that doesn't happen very often. Um, Especially not on back-to-back kickoffs. Not on back-to-back kickoffs, not in the same game even. I don't don't think think it's happened since 2000. 2004, I believe, it's happened in the same game um, in college. But Mm -hmm. even so, how many years ago was that? 14? Wow. Yeah. Listening to the Paul Johnson podcast earlier this week or Paul Johnson radio show, um, he was quite upset about it, obviously. And really? Just a little bit. <laughs> yeah. You don't say. Yeah. And he stressed a, an additional responsibility that he felt he had to make sure that his assistant coaches had enough experience on the field. And he, he mentioned this in a couple of areas. We'll get to another one in a bit, but... Kick return, kick, kick coverage was one of them where he said they had five or six freshmen out there that obviously didn't get the job done. And whether it was coaching or execution or mm-hmm. combination thereof, didn't get the job done. So he stressed that he was going to challenge some of the upperclassmen to play a couple more snaps, play on special teams, that basically if you wanted to win this game – Take a little pride and jump in and fill in, you know, the underclassmen's not getting it done. Take on some additional responsibility. Why do we have freshmen on special teams on kickoff return? Especially after the first one. Well, the first one was the heartbreaker because it was like from the two-yard line or something. One-yard line. The problem is it's hard to make those changes in-game. You've got a team that's practiced together and done it all week or all camp, potentially. So trying to throw somebody in, you know, pulling three guys off the team or six guys off the team or however many there were and throwing in people who have not been practicing and don't know, you know aren't comfortable with it. It'd be like in any other, like, right. okay, let's just throw a couple freshmen on the offensive line and see how they do. Right. Obviously that wouldn't happen. Yeah. It, it's going to be worse than it was. So you try to coach up the guys you have and you make changes like that in between weeks. You know, obviously if somebody gets injured, you try to fill in you have a couple backups, but you can't wholesale change kick coverage because of of issues. You try to address the issues. Other things that make me sad. I cannot believe we let Blake Burnett run for 91 yards. Me neither. I'm so tired. Like, so the announcers in that game were just driving me insane. Oh, Rod Gilmore. Thanks buddy. Appreciate Uh, it. 
they were all about old Blake and his sob story and how his kids. Oh yeah, and he's mm-hmm. married. And how old is he? Is he thirty? Like I don't understand. He's been at three different colleges. He's twenty-two. I mean, come on, get off the field, graduate already. <laughs> no, he's just he's, he's still got an NFL dream, Cindy. He was an Alabama starting quarterback at one point. Did he, he actually start? Yeah, like he one started the first game. One, yeah. He got pulled out, and Hearns went in. He he's. Yeah, I, I get it. He was the story on the field. He's popular in college football. Like you, you as ESPN goes, they're going to play up those stories. I get that. The they read love option, a story. The, love a story. Yeah, they love a story. The read option that they ran on us and that he kept it on really was what bucked me. You know, there's one thing: if he's going to light us up with his arm, he's a five-star quarterback. He was the number one rated quarterback coming out of high school. Get it? He's talented, right? But we ran poorly at at both the edge of the defensive line and at the linebacker level in terms of pursuit, in terms of taking the right reads on option football, which God, if we can't defend the option, man, I don't know how anybody else is, but it was, it, I don't know. I think that there's still one unanswered question and that's how good really is UCF's offense. I don't know that yet. I want to see some more of their play. If they, if they end up being, the, USF. Sorry, USF. If, if if USF ends up being the UCF of last year and they end up winning their conference and, you know, getting in a good bowl game and all that kind of stuff, then, okay, I'll feel a little bit better about this. But, man, this struck me as a game we should have won. And and I think the linebacker play has to step up. Hopefully the, the word is that we're going to have Jordan uh, Bruce Jordan's willing back. So that should give us some additional – athleticism, some additional speed at that linebacker level. The question will be, are the reads that they make correct? Are they following their cues? Are they moving to the right places? Are they getting lined up right? I mean, honestly, it was a really good game. Um, it was it was fun to watch. Um, they kept saying on the, on the game cast that they were like, um, how? Lead, leading, uh, like the lead would change. Like it changed like eight times. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Which makes for a very entertaining game if you're just here to watch football. Um, so it, it was super entertaining. Um, I'm just disappointed that we let them score so many times in the last quarter. I think the last quarter is where really where we fell short. Yeah. So obviously another thing that helped sink our ship in Florida was officiating and specifically a couple holding penalties and a couple targeting penalties. I understand the rule and I understand that if you duck your head, they're going to call a foul on you to help protect yourself so that you don't break your neck making a tackle. But man, it seems like we do that a lot. I'm I'm curious if we're not coaching on it, but obviously that hurt us and it's going to continue to hurt us at least for the first half of the Pittsburgh game because David Curry is going to be out. So Mm -hmm. back into that needing Bruce Jordan Swilling to step up. He's going to have to fill in in that role and, and really be a difference maker for us on on defense. He'll be all right. Okay. Offensive production thoughts. Uh, I mean, well, you know, going back to things that sunk our ship. I don't think that our starting be back going out helped the situation. Yeah. I don't think our starting quarterback going out helped the situation at all either. I was impressed by Oliver, but... Yeah, injuries certainly hurt us. Um, 
and we'll get a little more into the long-term implications, but offensively, I felt pretty good. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, I felt fine. Like, I, I was actually impressed at how quick we bounced back from that because I think mm-hmm. a lot of other schools, if you took out their starting running back and their starting quarterback. When they mostly run. And, I mean, a lot. I mean, you know, most schools run, I feel like. But yeah. really? No, I think you're right. I think that was kind of where my head was. Mason Mason played pretty damn good for a guy who was the third stringer coming into camp and has now ascended up the depth chart through multiple means. Um, Tobias Oliver looked really good in a limited capacity. So obviously they did a couple of things in the second half to help maximize what he was capable of doing. One was, I think you probably noticed, they brought the receivers in tight almost exclusively in the second half. And that was to change the blocking scheme on some of the outside runs um, and provide a little more leverage and props to Brad Stewart. We didn't throw it one time though. We didn't. Um, Props to Brad Stewart and Jalen Camp and the other receivers that they did a great job coming down, blocking on some linebackers, some bigger guys than them and really doing a good job letting Tobias Oliver run the quarterback sweep extremely effectively. So he ran 18 times for 97 yards. He that's was awesome. That's great. He looked so good on TV. Like, honestly, like I was super impressed. I was like, oh, this guy's our backup. So the question is, and, and it will be an even bigger question going forward because teams will have now seen exactly what he can do. Is he capable of running a more complete version of our offense? He did run some speed sweep, er, some quarterback sweeps, a lot of quarterback sweeps. He did run some tosses. He did run one what looked like a true option with a traditional pitch. So the question is, is his playbook limited to the quarterback sweeps? Are they going to run that every other play? Because if so, that's that's easy to train against. That's that's one that, okay, the backup comes in. They're going to run this. They're limited on what their playbook looks like. So if he doesn't have much more than that, it's going to be difficult for him to be really that successful again. And that, that kind of drives me to the next part of this question is, when we got in a third and long on, I suppose it was his fourth drive, so he'd scored three touchdowns on his previous three drives. On the fourth drive, we get two plays blown up in the backfield. Was it them, us shooting ourselves in the foot? Probably. Were they starting to also catch on to what we were going to do as an offense with him? Possibly. I'd hope so. Yeah. Like, if they, if Charlie Strong is not that smart that you score three touchdowns and they don't realize you're going to run a quarterback sweep, then we should have won that game going away. Um, so you, you get in the third and long and you bring in Marshall, who's been cleared to come back in medically. So is that because you don't trust Oliver to throw the ball? I think so. So that was my main concern with Oliver in general. It's like I didn't – he was not calling any of the plays. Mm-hmm. Um, and before our offense – the quarterback has to take some kind of control and responsibility of the play. Yep, there are a lot of checks that he has to run, and on the plays that they gave him, quarterback sweep's a perfect example, there's only one check. He walks up to the line of scrimmage, he looks to the left and he looks to the right, and he figures out which side of the field has five and which side has six players on defense. Mm -hmm. And he makes a call to run the opposite direction. That is very limited pre-snap read from a option quarterback. I I have a feeling that's all they told him to do, and that's all they wanted him to do at that point. Right. Um, So I think he executed very well in that manner. Right. But I don't think they gave him any reins to do anything else. So I don't. We don't really know what he's capable of other than that. 
it's telling that that was all they could let him do, though. That's so true. they bring in Marshall to come and throw on third and long, and he completes the pass, does it. Looks healthy-ish doing it. Like, obviously, That he, was amazing, actually. Like, like, just being able to see that completion, like, as a Tech fan, you're like, wow, we can, we, we did it. We can do it. We like, it gave us so much more yeah. hope in that moment. He, he passed we're well. Georgia Tech. We can do that. Yeah, but he, we don't always believe we're doing, we can do We're that. doing that. <laughs> he was, what? They should have had the little guy out this there. This is not math or science. They should have had the little guy out there to, you know, they should have Demo and the little guy we come do give. That. Yeah, yeah, we can do that speech every game. Yeah, give the Iron Man suit speech. Yeah, sure. Yeah, there we go. But yeah, Marshall was 9 for 18 for, uh, I think, 183 yards, including an 81-yarder to Clinton Lynch. Healthy Clinton Lynch is an awesome thing, just as an aside. Um but yeah, he looked pretty decent throwing the ball. And a couple of the couple of the ones that he threw that were incomplete were not his fault. He got hit on the arm on one. A couple were just throwing it away to avoid sacks, things yeah. like that. So I mean, he didn't look that great in the fourth quarter after that third and nine pass. Um, he was still injured. I think that was kind of so. Back to where we were. I'm still concerned about him throwing the ball in general because it seems like he wants to do that a lot, and I don't think he is quite where he needs to be. Well, let's let's back up to. You bring him in on third and long. I think we all agree that that's probably who you want throwing the ball if you feel like you have to throw the ball there, right? I agree. If, if Assuming, again, he was medically cleared, assuming he's healthy, that's where you want to go. So, then the question is, first down, first and ten. Do you leave Marshall out there, or do you put Oliver back out there to run the more limited version of our offense? Personally, I think I would have put Oliver back in. I would have traded him in and out every every play. I mean, honestly, like if they can't figure it out, can't keep up, like why not? Steve? I, I mean, I get what you're saying, Cindy, but Marshall had not shown anything that said he couldn't keep up because he just walked in. Made uh, that o- Oliver had gotten sacked two downs back to back or blown up and stopped in the backfield two downs back to back. Oliver, I mean, Marshall comes in, makes the pass, keeps the drive alive. Okay, so you keep him in for that for the next four downs, three downs. But uh, they're driving the field. Yeah, no, they we drove, we the, drove field the field and then Quay, the yeah, then Quay coughed it up. So that's I'm, not his. That's not Marshall's fault. I'm with Stephen. I think that Marshall uh, on that drive certainly looked adequate enough to. I mean, they if they drove the field. I don't know what else you want out of the quarterback. He wasn't the one who fumbled, so it's not like you can blame him for that drive stalling. Right. Um. And then obviously when you get into the defense not being able to hold them there at that point, a lot of that was, it seemed like we were a little bothered by the speed at which USF was getting to the line and, and trying to make our reads and things like that. And then that last drive where we are struggling, you know, we're up against the clock, right. trying it's to pass the ball. when A they, desperate chance. Yeah, when they know we're passing the ball. Right. I, yeah. I have a hard time blaming Marshall for, you know, poor passing on that drive. That's that's exactly when he's going to always be a poor passer. When they know I can drop six because I don't have to defend the option, they're going to have a huge advantage in defending the pass. So you take those out, he's probably a 65, 70% passer on the day. That is awesome. It's exactly what you want out of him. And I feel like. You know, I think they knew that he was probably a little banged up, so they weren't as worried. I think they felt comfortable dropping six instead of dropping five and a spy. 
not worrying about him potentially taking off and busting one for 15, 20 yards. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great point that they definitely did not have to worry about him as much as a runner as in a traditional sense, you know, watched it versus Alcorn. Right. When they ran that second half drive where they only ran pass plays, one of them broke down and he ran for what, 25 yards or something yeah. like that? Right. He's good to tuck it and run, but I, I don't think that not day was, on a bum not was helping. Yeah, yeah. That, that busted toe. Yep. So speaking of injuries. How is he doing? Do we it know? sounds like he's going to be fine. Um, the word was, uh, I guess he said this to one of the Twitter, Twitter reporters for Rivals, I believe, that the toe got bent back more than it should. Uh, so I don't know if that's a is that turf toe dislocation or turf toe is usually more of a jam, but I think if anybody who's really tweaked a, a digit, whether it's a toe or a finger or something like that, you know, you bend it and it hurts for a week or so, but long term you tend to get back to normal. So my guess is he probably took some time off this week, ran a little, you know, on the side kind of things, not taking many hits in practice, but that he should be pretty good to go on, on Saturday versus Pitt. Now, I feel like I got turf toe one time in a pair of loafers on some carpet. You probably did. Yeah. <laughs> it was rough. <laughs> got to have that good support. Those loafers usually don't have it. Yeah, I was, you know, you know, this is drivers. Yeah. Was, yeah. Yeah. Those foot injuries are no good. They're painful. Tell us about it, Cindy. They hurt. Take a long time to recover. Speaking of long time to recover, the bad news, and I was not expecting this at all based on his looks early in the first half on, on the sideline. Cervante Benson is out for the season. Um, not exactly sure what type of knee injury, but obviously. I say, he's having surgery next week. Yeah, that, that screams ACL. Maybe, maybe it's a PCL, not an ACL, but it's ligament surgery probably and means out for the rest of the year. He'll get a chance to redshirt this year, potentially with a medical redshirt, um, which would... So you can redshirt if you've only played one game or one and a half games? Yeah. Uh, it's it's It depends on how many games you played, all that you kind of stuff. You can play up to four a season now and still redshirt. Oh, yeah. that's good. But this one, he's going to have to New apply. World. He's already used one redshirt, his, his traditional redshirt, so now he can apply for medical hardship and potentially get another year. So he would have two left at that point. Um, what does he do about school at that point, like... Keeps taking grad classes, gets an MBA. Right. But I wonder if he went out this for school like this season, like for a fall, recovering from that surgery or anything? No, he'd, he'd still take class this fall. You can you can have surgery and roll in a wheelchair to class. Mm, doesn't sound fun. Hmm, nobody said it was fun, but it's what you got to do. If, if you're you... there to go to school, you're not there to have fun. Then. <laughs> oh, is that what school was for? Oh. For some of us. I don't know about all of us. <laughs> So, yeah, Cavante, hope best with the surgery, man. That really sucks. We were all kind of looking forward to seeing you really dominate this year, but it means that Jerry Howard and Jordan Ponches Mason are going to have to step up. Did you read that article that Ken wrote today on Twitter? Uh, I just read it on Twitter, but about how basically Benson is passing the torch to Mason. Yeah, it seems like he's taken it in stride that, you know, he kind of is – Really, just being a you know, I mean, he's not a professional, but taking handling this professionally, knowing that injuries happen, that he's going to have a chance to come back, and in the meantime, Mason's going to have to step up and carry the load and all that perform. Yeah, so 
I hope, I hope he's sitting there on the sideline. I hope he is uh, coaching him up. You know, I, I kind of feel the same way I feel about AJ Gray, where it's like, take this as a, a chance to better yourself in a different aspect with football. Like you can now really focus on why we're doing what we're doing and all that and help your teammates get better. And potentially that long-term helps you be a better runner too, once you're back healthy. So like I said, good luck, Cravante. It's, uh, it's tough. I've, I've had one of those before and it, it's going to be a, a fun recovery, I'm sure. But you, you've got obviously what it takes. So closing the book on USF. Yeah, I'd like to Terrible. put okay. that behind us. Perfect. Pit on to pit. So twelve thirty. I, I am looking forward to that this Saturday. We get to go up to Pittsburgh and go see Bainfield. See what what the Pit Panthers have for us. They are one of those teams that historically has played us tight. Um, kind of a look on them. We we've seen Tyler Pickett play at the end of last year. They tend to be a run-first offense as well, running the ball this year about 66% of the time, so two-thirds of the time they're running the ball this year, which probably is a little high. They played that last game versus Penn State in the monsoon, so they probably will not run quite that often, but would still expect them to be running north of 50%. Kind of run the ball, and then when you suck the defense forward, try to pass over the top. Kind of similar to ours, just with a different style of run. they tend to traditionally have good receivers. This year, all their receivers are young. So I, I'm a little happier about that, that I don't think they have all of the same uh, receivers. They had a couple get, well, at least one get drafted last year um, that went went out and kind of smoked us as, as well last year. So I'm glad to see him move on and get a pro job. But they bring back Quadri Allison, Allison on the running back uh, in the backfield. And I really think he is going to be our biggest challenge. And it is one of those games where they're not Clemson. So this is going to be a step in terms of moving in more difficulty towards a a good opponent. But they're going to try to pound the ball at us. And trying to stand up to that with a 3-4 defense with a little bit more speed on the field is going to be something interesting for our defense to handle. Um, I don't think... It would be surprising to see them try to run a lot of screen passes uh, in the passing game against us. Didn't have any success with it last year. Didn't look great against it again against USF. But I would expect them to try to run the ball downhill with us. Maybe a couple misdirection plays. They're notorious historically for trick plays and kind of misdirection stuff. It's going to kind of you know, throw, throw the ball to the tackle and he scores a touchdown, those types of things. Yeah. But I'm a little less worried about that this year. I think they're going to try to run a little more traditionally at us. Other thoughts on Pitt? We need to beat them. We really need to win. Yeah, it would put us at 1-0 in the ACC, which is as good as we could do in terms of trying to win our division. So it would be a big step in the right direction to get the first you know, kind of get that road, you know, road monkey off our back. The USF of- game derailed my undefeated season for Tech, um, but I can default back to the normal Georgia Tech of we're going to lose to somebody we should beat. 
and then we're going to beat somebody that we should lose to big time. Please be Clemson and Georgia. Yeah. <laughs> Can we choose? Yeah. Both. Both. <laughs> Those are the teams we should lose to, so we'll beat them. Yeah. Yeah, losing to USF definitely. Uh, we all picked Tech to win that game, and I think coming out of that game, I think if we were to play it again, we'd probably all pick Tech again, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you can't you can't count on two. We've already talked about this, but you can't count on two kick returns. I, I was, think I was looking know, at some of the statistics earlier, and and then again, I've mentioned Bill Connolly's work before and how he likes some of the advanced statistics to tell how good teams are. We moved up 19 spots after that loss in his rankings. And granted, some of that was they didn't have a whole lot of data on us versus Alcorn. It didn't show a whole lot. So they found out a lot more about us versus USF. And we moved up to 26th. USF is now 40th. I think you play that game 10 times. I I feel like we'd win it eight, seven, nine. Nine? Yeah, I mean more yeah, than that. Yeah, no, I mean I, I agree with you. I think with Pitt, we're got we got to stop their run their their running offense um, and get a handle on that. It'll be nice to see what the the three four that Woody has installed um, will do against that. Um, For reference, Pittsburgh is forty. No, excuse me, seventy fifth in this set of rankings. So. They say on a neutral site, we would be favored by a little over two touchdowns. So call it about a two touchdown on the road for us. I mean, Vegas has us at four and a half points. I would take us minus the points. And ESPN says we're 73.5% to win. Yeah, I think I think a little of that is, you know, obviously point spreads are based off of who's betting what. If they were to say tech minus 10, you'd have everybody putting money on pit and they don't really want that. But I like us this week, and that's going to go against my preseason pick. I had us losing this game. Um, you know, I, I think we kind of stubbed our toe last week, and this one is a chance for us to pick back up against a, an opponent we should beat. Again, like I said, get the road monkey off our back. We've been pretty bad in road games recently, but this is a chance where we should be the better team. And if we if Marshall's healthy, if we run the ball as effectively as we did last week, if we block, if we can make a couple of decent plays in the passing game, whether it's to the receivers or whether it's catching Quay or Clinton over the top, like I, I kind of like our chances if we're going to put up 35 points, which I don't see any reason we shouldn't. No, I think our offense should be pretty, uh, pretty effective. Um, any notes on our defense this week? Still a lot I want to see from the defense. Yeah. Besides David Curry being out for the first half, so we're going to be a little thin at linebacker. We should get Bruce Jordan swelling back, like we said. Um, we think that is a an improvement in terms of speed. Obviously not an improvement in terms of experience. But I noticed our center went out at one point, too. Yeah. That was for the offense. But. Yeah, on the offense. Paul Johnson mentioned that in his his radio show as well, that he, in hindsight, should have rotated a little more on the offensive side of the ball, especially on the line. Yeah. That He wanted to rotate less on the defensive side, so keep more guys with more experience and who right. knew where to line up on the defensive side and rotate more on the offensive line side. And his thought behind that was the difference between the ones and the twos this year on the offensive line is not as large as it has been in the past. And when it's not that big, go ahead and put people out there a little more rotationally to make sure they're fresh into the fourth quarter, which 
it was funny. I, I called this early in the game versus USF that the three back-to-back offensive drives that we had were going to come back to haunt USF's defense because usually your defense gets break in between every drive. They had to play three in a row in the first quarter. Right. That could really wear a team out. And unfortunately, it seems like it wore out our offensive line a little bit as well because we struggled a little in the fourth quarter, especially on that last drive trying to pass block, mm-hmm. where if we had been a little fresher, like obviously we dominated their defense in the third quarter, and the the announcers were commenting on it as well, that it looked like they were tired. their defense didn't want anything to do with our offense. Yeah. So if we could have been a little fresher there in the fourth quarter and hadn't had a big drop-off or anything to cause us to do that, we would have been in, in good shape. Other thoughts heading into... Pittsburgh. Uh, one day I want to go to that game away. Obviously, it won't be this weekend. Wow. Let's do it, Cindy. Let's hop on a plane. Uh, the pool Can you is get a calling plane? me. The pool is calling. The, on the, oh, we in got the so rain. many more sunny days. It's not going to rain on Saturday. It's not going to rain until Sunday. Everyone in the way of Florence, please stay safe. Yes. Good luck. All right. Let's go north of Atlanta. <laughs> Don't come here. It's Music Midtown. Oh, God. It's Music Midtown this weekend? Yeah. yeah. That's just going to really screw you with your wedding. Gross. Fun. All right. Well, everyone, no ratings or reviews this week, so that offer continues to stand. Do have a shout-out, Kale, listening to us, talking about Chick-fil-A. If you made it to the end of the podcast, Kale, thank you. Thanks, Kale. Uh, anyone and else who... I understand the Chick-fil-A rage... You know, I know I got going, got my discount there, but I didn't even talk about the fact that I can't use my Chick Fil A One app in the stadium either. So I can't even buy the Chick Fil A. You get mean my a cash back. only vendor isn't taking? The, uh, no, I need my points. I got to. You got to talk to Kelly about that. I've talked to Kelly about that. I got to level up my Chick Fil A app. That's all it is. Got to get them points. You got to get all the points in the Chick Fil A app. Um, Chick Fil A menu item of the week. Breakfast biscuit with hot sauce and honey on it. Mm-hmm. Best okay. thing going. Best thing going. You're crazy. It's delicious. All right. Yep. Give us a shout out back. If uh, somebody comments at us on Twitter, Billy, thanks for doing that, by the way. Um, comments at us on Twitter with uh, our, our handle at WSPTA pod and on Instagram at Weekend Shenanigans. We will certainly be willing to engage. Tell us what you're thinking about. Tell us what you think about the game this weekend. And we'll uh, talk about it next week. Until then. Go Jackets. Go Jackets. Piss on them.